is Pop Culture Yearbook. On this show, we pick pieces of pop culture that were important to us in a given year. We then discuss memories and dig into those movies, albums, shows, and more. I'm Brad. I'm Pete. And I'm Giff. And this is 1995. We are starting a new year. Are we opening the yearbook, Brad? Let's open the yearbook, Pete. All right. <laughs> I don't know what you guys are laughing at right now. It's making me a little awkward here. That's going to be, it's, it means it's going to be a good episode. <laughs> All right, then. So uh, 1995. So we did do 1994 not long ago. Um, but in the way things fell, we decided we could do one uh, right up against that here right afterwards. So it's all right. It's all right. We can do whatever we want to do. It's, yeah. it's our show. Right. It's not telling us what to do. If you don't like um, it, get your own show. That's right. <laughs> and still and, if, and if they wanted to get their own show, Pete, what should they do? I think they should click on the link within our uh, show page and sign up for Buzzsprout. It's super easy to use. Yeah. That's on the um, every single description of every episode, right? Yes. And if you do sign up, you get a $20 Amazon gift card. Yeah. Ooh. What are they saying? Not only that, but those uh, <laughs> Anything descriptions you want. of the episodes, uh, if you haven't read the descriptions of the episodes, I must say they are fantastic. Yes, I know, the person you really should check those out. Must yep. have a master's in the English language. Somebody must, yeah, I don't yeah. know. <laughs> well, speaking of that gif, uh, yeah. that ties into, so tonight's choice is going to be mine. And we got Pete's next week, and we got gifts coming up the week after that. So what we're going to do here is we're going to each kind of share our main memories of 1995 on the night or the day, whatever you're listening to, that we um, do that particular uh, content. So since it's my choice for tonight, I'm going to talk about what 1995 was like for me. Always you guys about you, Brad. With any, what you got there, Pete? I said always about you, isn't it? Oh, I know. It's <laughs> funny how it works out, huh? <laughs> Um, so it's this kind of, uh, if we go back to our 94 episode, remember we had, uh, kind of the two parter where we were in high school at first and then we were in college at the end of the year. So 1995, now this is the end of our first year of college. And if you remember my long story that I went over in the uh, Weezer episode, that first semester wasn't too hot, but the second semester of 95 was, was great. It was really um, hot. Yeah, really so um, I, I had really gotten into my major by this point, which, as you mentioned, Gifford, is English. Mm -hmm. And um, so I, I, I kind of had like a purpose now. Um, I'm not with her anymore, but I did have a girlfriend now at this point, too, which really helped solidify things at that time. <laughs> um, solidify, that's what we just, call it. Just solidify. gave me, you know, somebody to we, too, beyond. We might need to unpack that one a little bit more. <laughs> no, but, we don't. We don't. <laughs> no, we don't. I don't think Gifford wants to get too deep into uh, <laughs> No, I don't think we could get too deep into it. <laughs> but anyway, you know, it's great. And um, we had a good time. And so that made that semester more fun. Um, I had started to find some new friends. And I... Um, um, just had a nice, easy kind of finish to that first year. Then when I went home uh, for the summer, I got to work for my mom again. And so back to our clerks episode, I worked at the corner store. 
And so I was working at home. I was working by mom, which is a great job to have in college because it was easy. She gave me good hours, but I mean, I worked really hard and, and could like work it out that way, but she paid me well. And it was just a really carefree uh, summer because basically if I wasn't working, I was probably golfing. And where we grew up, I could play golf for like basically nothing. I didn't even pay that nothing. My parents did, but um, it was still basically nothing. <laughs> and Pete, we were all home. So we hung out and just, it was just a wonderful, carefree time. And I it just remember so things about uh, how fun that was. <clears throat> One of those things that I remember that summer too, won't be coming up until our third episode, I think. I'm not sure which one, but do you remember what was huge in the summer of 95 in the news and on TV? O.J. Simpson? That's correct. So, say, yeah, yeah, that was just such a big memory of 95 is the O.J. Simpson trial. So mm -hmm. all the other trial, not the chase. Yeah. The actual incident happened in 94. Right. Right. But this was now the trial. Um. Right. Two big events happened in that summer. So I did, I left Tyler twice that summer. Once was to go to Minneapolis and um, I got to see my favorite all-time band, R.E.M., for the first time in concert. And that was great. Um, and What venue? Uh, at the Target Center. Nice. Oh. And I um, was really sad because I wasn't going to go. Like I wanted to go to the concert, but I never got tickets. I don't remember if I tried or if I just couldn't, you know, figured I couldn't make it work or whatever. And so this is this ties into working for my mom. So that morning, morning of the concert, I mean, I'm in Tyler, four hours away. I, you know, I know the concert's going to happen. Um, our friend Larry calls me up and says, "I just want your brother tickets. Larry. Never mind. <laughs> <laughs> my best friend Harry. Yes. Never mind. Young MC." Um, <laughs> Actually, he didn't win the tickets. What happened was there were two guys, I don't even know why, but on KKCK, Marshall Radio. Oh, yeah. Somebody was trying to get rid of two tickets to that concert because they, like, couldn't go. And they were trying, and somehow they, like, advertised it on the station, and Larry heard it, and he got them, and he snagged them, and, and, he, and he called me, knowing that, you know, I'm the one that would want to go more than anybody. And I'm like, well, I got to work tonight. And, I mean, it's the day of the concert. What are you talking about? But of course, I told my mom, and so she worked for me that night, and I'm sure I made it up some other place. But she worked for me. We drove up there, um, and I think we actually stayed. My girlfriend, who I mentioned, was living in the Augsburg dorms that summer, and I think we stayed with her that night and then came back the next day. So it was just a quick little trip. <laughs> but um, thanks to Larry, I got to see R.E.M. that summer for the first time. The other big event was that, and I mentioned this in our two, was I can't keep track, but in the vacation series, we talked about our travels. It would have been the European vacation one. This is the summer I went to Nova Scotia to visit my brother. And so I already talked about that trip. If you want to hear that story, go back and listen to that episode. Just go back and listen to all our episodes. Yeah. So, I mean, I'm not going to give it love that. You got to go back and listen. Nice yes. teaser. So uh, Nova <laughs> Scotia went out of the country and I traveled on my own and got to go see him. And so that was fun. Then we moved back to college for sophomore year, and this was a big year because, so first year I had, I mentioned, even though I had a really rough start, I had a great roommate, and he was awesome. And so we lived together again sophomore year, but we moved into the other dorm, and it was now like apartments, and it was for four people. And we like didn't really know who we were going to try to room with. Um, 
we tr we asked a couple people and they had already found people and so um we ended up uh you know who uh hosts this podcast every once in a while dave and um him and our other friend and then his friend kurt who i really had never met were going to live together and they also didn't have anybody else yet to complete their housing and so we asked Dave, not even knowing him that well, but hey, he's a nice guy. We're going to ask him. And he was all into it. And Is so... he, though? <laughs> well, Pete, you kind of have European a vacation, uh, frenemy uh, relationship with We've him. We've got a friendly rivalry. It's it's all in good-natured fun. But anyway. What happens so with the Petersons? That's when right. When we decided to live together, I really wasn't that good of friends with Dave yet. He was just like a guy that was friendly that I hung out with a little bit. But that, you know, was one of those big lucky life events because he became one of my all-time best friends and he became one of your guys' all-time best friends mm -hmm. and that's right the rest is history so awesome. that first you know a couple months is like really getting to know each other and everything but by the end of that year it was like this guy is great i love this this is this is my new um group situation that i'm gonna be with now i think i just learned that you lived with run amok for a year i didn't realize that you didn't know that it's no no really it's, News to me, of course, my mind is failing, but um, yeah. Well, and then, That's so the this, would tie in, this would tie it. I've been in that apartment a couple of times. I knew that. Okay. This would jump into 1996, so I won't go into But the problem after this year was over, Kurt left Augsburg and went, I don't know if he went to a different college or if he just, like, decided to go to work. I can't remember exactly. And Dave decided to transfer back up to Concordia Moorhead. And so all mm -hmm. these new friends I had, they all left. It's all falling apart. Uh, Take a hint. But we, we all survived through that. <laughs> anyway, when I look back on this year and I compared it to 94, which was a rough, you know, the end of 94 was rough. This was the year where I feel like I really figured everything out, mm -hmm. got on the right path, found a good group of friends, um, got into my major, looked ahead to what my job would eventually be, which still is. And so it was a it was a really... It was one of those years that I would still describe as very carefree. We we were older, but by going back home for the summer, it was just, you know, a wonderful time and not a lot of responsibilities still. Um, and so it's great. And then when I did move back to college, I also started my, my new job, uh, um, which was to work at Best Buy. So my other big event of that year was getting a real job in college. <laughs> And started working at Best Buy in the fall of '95. So, I didn't know your mom owned a Best Buy store. No, that's <laughs> oh. not the case, Giff. Oh, she didn't. Okay. okay. <laughs> um, so that's all I got for for those memories. Uh, any other snarky comments or questions you want to throw in there? No, we no. are saving our snarky comments for later. All right. Yes. Well, I will get some written down so I don't forget when it's your turn. Yeah, <laughs> okay. They just come naturally to you. You know. <laughs> All right. This then ties into my choice for tonight. And I chose, and I at first I wasn't sure, you know, if I would stick with this, but I chose Chris Isaac, the album Forever Blue. Someone the reason trying. why I didn't know if I should pick it is because I think most people know who he is, at least people our age. Yep. But cool he was people. never like a giant star. But he was always around in lots of different places. And so we'll get into that here. Um, but he was it was just so meaningful to me. And that's what this podcast is about. And so it's like when I picked The Head and the Heart before and Pete, you picked Tom Petty. These are albums that had a big 
impact on our life and in my personal musical uh, history. So the reasons why I picked this album came out in 95. So I mentioned I was working at the corner store that summer. And one of those days, so you know, there's really only one station to listen to, Marshall Radio. But the top 40 was on. And I swore that my memory was that this was like number 37 or something. But then I saw on Wikipedia that it, it reached only like 45. So sometimes they play like a song that's right on the cusp of the top 42, I think. So maybe that's what it was. Anyway, sure. Casey Kasem or Shadow Stevens, I don't know who it would have been at that time. Casey um, Kasem. I think it was still Casey Kasem at that time. Uh, his first single, Somebody's Crying, off of Forever Blue. And I just like fell in love with that song immediately while I was sitting there listening to it. I was like, this is a great song. Mm -hmm. And it the thing is, I had heard of Chris Isaac before. It wasn't like this was just some totally brand new nothing. And I knew the song Wicked Game, which pretty much everybody knows. You guys know Wicked Game, right? Oh, absolutely. No. So, <laughs> Never mind. <laughs> so I had that a little bit of background of who he was and kind of always knew who he was, but didn't know very much. And when I heard this song, I'm like, holy crap, that is like, I love this right now. So I just had a feeling that I was going to love this album and, and love him as an artist. And I went out and bought that CD, like, I don't know, a couple days later. And I fell in love. And it was a time when I was like looking for new things to listen to. I mean, we're in college, so we're hearing all kinds of new stuff. I'm driving all the time, driving to and from work, driving to and from Tyler, you know, three, four hours at a time. Um, and becoming an adult, so I'm looking, you know, for my own new stuff. And so I, I was always looking for new stuff, and there were different artists that really stood out to me that gave me that good feeling. Like when you talked about Tom Petty being a great driving album, Pete, I mean, I totally agree. And there's some other ones like that that fit in with me. That's right. I just, yeah, and I just had this feeling that Chris Isaac would fit all that, and he just <laughs> sounded like this would be the most relaxing, like, cool music. Like he's a surfer. He sounds like Roy Orbison, um, and I was right, yeah. I mean, at least in my opinion. So I yeah. went about all his other albums, and in fact, our son, my wife loves him too. We'll get into more of that later. But our son is actually named kind of partially after him. It's not spelled the same, and we didn't name him after him technically. But part of the reason why we picked the name Isaac is because, hey, we love Chris Isaac, so that's just another reason why we like that name. I did not know that. Really? I knew his name is Isaac, but I didn't put together <laughs> that you named him partially after Chris Isaac. I mean, Isaac. yeah, That's... it's kind of the same. So my daughter's name is Isla, and we didn't name her after Isla Fisher, the actress, but we saw the movie Definitely Maybe, and okay. we saw the credits afterwards, and my wife is pregnant, and we hadn't picked a name yet, and we saw the name Isla Fisher on the credits, and huh. we're like, Isla, wow, that's a cool name. And we both knew right away that was going to be the name. So Isaac and Isla, two eyes named, going together. They're both, let's just say that they are uh, indirectly influenced by celebrities. Oh, there you go. Sure. Not named after celebrities. Okay. So anyway, I, I, I went and bought the whole catalog. I still listen to them to this day. Re-listening to the CD for the first time in a while was just a revelation because holy crap, it's good. And uh, like I always knew that, but I didn't remember just how I've listened to it probably 10 times in the last just couple of days. And I just and I loved it. So um, that is why I picked this album. And um, 
I'm going to turn it over to you guys to see if you have anything you want to throw in right there. Well, I'll just say your initial response, or I know Pete, you liked it back then too. So I had the album back then and I loved the album and then I kind of shelved it, never really gave it much attention lately. And then uh, in preparation for this, I listened to it and this, I found this one to be the, probably the most enjoyable show to prep for in terms of the, whatever we had to watch or listen to just because it was such oh, a great album start to finish. The musical shows we've done. I, I said musicals in our text but i think that uh, uh but i actually meant to say like the whole thing i just thought it was start to finish it's a great album he does something that no man should ever do at any point ever which is to express your feelings how, how you feel towards a woman <laughs> but uh it's, but it's what the whole album is about um and Gifford, I didn't think about, and I, I remember listening to the album. I knew it was a lot of breakup songs, but you had texted that it's all a story that goes together. You it said something, something to that effect. And when Can I listened to it to in that context, a little bit later, though, we yeah. will, we will. That's yeah. fine. Okay. I'm not going to go into detail on it, but um, but just in general, it is a story that kind of ties together. Um, and just when you listen to it in that context, it does really change it, and you're listening for the different story points in the album and so we'll get into the details of it but um uh but yeah chris isaac absolutely uh fantastic i also had roy orbison written down i also had buddy holly written down there's yeah. a song or two that made me think of buddy holly as i listened he also just has that kind of um the james dean kind of style to yeah, him i was gonna say Elvis as a person too. he's yeah yeah well there's a lot well, to do with that him in concert, there, I think, we'll too. he wears like these bright sparkly suits yep. and everything right right yep. yeah and i had seen him in concert but we're gonna kind of talk about the concerts a little later yeah. too right but um um but uh yeah just his style he almost kind of reminds me like he would fit into a Las Vegas kind of style, like the, um, you know, he like the Swingers Club. Vegas show. That's a great yeah. idea. Yeah, yeah. All right, let's make some phone calls. Let's make it happen. Yeah. Uh, um, but, uh, but yeah, he kind of fits in uh, with, with Swingers. If you've seen the movie Swingers, which is one of our favorite movies too, I'm sure we'll do an episode on that movie. But, oh, yeah. uh, but it's sort of like that kind of same style, and he just kind of fits into it. I don't know. I loved it. Uh, so Giff, I don't know if you ever heard this album before this. So what was and I, and you had a great reaction to it, maybe really excited for tonight. So what was your initial like, or did you have any history at all with Chris Isaac before this? Well, I'm a radio play. <laughs> did you have a history with Chris Isaac? <laughs> yeah, well, because if you did, that would be amazing, and now would be the definite, definitely the time to bring that up. Well, and I mean, we're separating our memories, you know, for like, you know, I'll do uh, my memories uh, in a couple, but uh, sophomore year, Chris and I roomed together. Um, no, I'm just kidding. <laughs> so, <laughs> I'm I'm a radio play guy. I didn't own a lot of uh, pop albums uh, growing up. I was more of a country guy. So the Chris Isaac songs I know are the ones I know from the radio. Um, so somebody's crying, baby did a bad, bad thing. You know, those. So you did know I, those songs before? I reckon, yeah, I knew those songs okay. from before. But, you know, you guys are, are much bigger music heads than I am. Wow. But, you know, like when you guys talk about the order of songs on an album, I've listened, I owned a ton of albums, mostly country, but I never. To me, there was never a a storyline 
to an album. And maybe it's because I was young and dumb and wasn't really listening. I just liked what was being played. But listening back to this, there is a definite order to the songs, which I really enjoyed. I caught on to what I thought was the theme of the album, which for me was fun because hey, I'm thinking and this sounds right and it sounds good. And and he is a crooner. He, his voice is like you guys are saying, like Roy Orbison, he's just got a wonderful voice. Um, and I did really, really enjoy putting this uh, putting this together for today because I never listened to the album front to back. Um, and I did so uh, studying up for this uh, episode and I really found it quite enjoyable. Awesome. I was, And then that made me so happy that I did stick with this choice because when I heard your mm-hmm. reactions, like, well, this is going to be great. So, right. um the next thing I want to just go through some stats. So, like I said, you know, I didn't know a ton about him and he never was like a giant star, but he's a really well-known guy. And so mm-hmm. some of these things I found actually made me realize probably even more than I ever gave him credit for. Um, but so this album uh, reached 31 on the Billboard Top 200. So not not terrible. Pretty good, actually. Right. But actually, what, what surprised me that I didn't realize, it was a platinum album. It sold 1.2 million copies. So I mean that's that's a big <clears> album, <throat> and I didn't re- I didn't realize it was that big, and I'm that's nothing to sneeze at. Happy to hear no. that. It was also Grammy uh, Grammy nominated, and I didn't remember this either. So it was nominated for best rock album, yep. and it lost to Alanis Morissette, which is like the biggest album of the year. So yeah, I mean, Jagged Little Pill was enormous. But the fact that it was nominated for that, I thought that's yep. awesome. I'm that's great. And then the song "Somebody's Crying" was also nominated for best male rock performance. Mm-hmm. And that lost to one of our previous discussions, Tom Petty, for You Don't Know How It Feels. Yeah, you can't feel bad about losing to either one of those no. two. But so two no. Grammy nominations, um, just an honor over a million sold. <laughs> yeah. Um, and then I just a couple more things. So he went on to have also a lot of TV appearances and movies. So he, he had a show on Showtime called The Chris Isaac Show, which basically was about him and his band. And... It's a show that I never got to watch because I never had Showtime, and it's a show that I always kind of thought I should go back and watch because I'm sure you can find it now, or you know, I should have mm-hmm. pr- probably could have got it on Netflix discs at one Do point. You know what years it was on? I think early 2000s. Okay. Like 2001 to four or five, maybe somewhere in that range. Sure. Um, so that was a show about him and his band, more of like a, not like a documentary type show. It was more of a. I don't know if it was scripted necessarily, but it was more of just a fun show. But then I did not know he also did another show on Biography Channel called The Chris Isaac Hour, which was like interviews with a lot of famous musicians and then play and then they would play or they'd play together. And I did watch a couple clips of that. He did with the Smashing Pumpkins. I watched him talk to Billy Corgan. He did um, with, uh, I don't know, there was Stevie Nicks, Trisha Yearwood, um, a whole bunch of different ones. I can't remember all of them. And so two different TV shows that he actually were like revolved around him. Um, and then his most notable TV appearance probably for most people would be the Friends uh, mm-hmm. Super Bowl episode where he played a singer and um, Phoebe and him kind of had a thing. And and so that was a big season two, episode 12, which actually uh, <laughs> my wife and I are currently in the process of going through the entire Friends series. And oh, we're, are you? <laughs> Yes, we're on season two, like episode six right now. So we're going to be coming up onto that one pretty oh. shortly. So yeah. looking forward to that. 
Um, and then um, he did a lot. He's done a lot of movies too. He has a thing with David Lynch, who really likes him, and he's put him into several of his movies. But the one that I had not remembered, so I'm going through and watching a lot of movies with my son, and he really likes horror movies. Uh, but we try to watch some classics. So we watched The Silence of the Lambs a few months yes. ago, and yes. and I'm watching this. And I'm like, holy crap, that that's Chris Isaac. I didn't even yep. know he was in it, and he's like, just for like, like a, a half a second. Yeah, he wasn't in yeah. it for very long. Yeah, it wasn't uh, a big part, but nope. like I thought I would know that, and I totally recognized him, but I had no yeah, idea yeah. he was there. Um, right, a couple other fun facts, and then if you have yeah. anything new to add. Pete, like you, he was class president uh, for three years. I had that written down. That's how uh, and the, then, the, the great ones always are. <laughs> <laughs> student body we president his comment. senior year and also valedictorian of his school. That I was not. <laughs> he was a uh, college boxer. Uh, most people know if they know him, he's a big surfer. Yep. And then uh, we mentioned the many comparisons to Roy Orbison, Elvis, and others. Oh, and then the one other thing I wanted to throw in, too. He also recorded one of my favorite Christmas albums of all time. When he came out with a Christmas album, like, this is a marriage made in heaven. He is perfect for Christmas music. Mm-hmm. And that is a CD that I listen to uh, every single year. And it's, oh, it's awesome. Noted. Yeah. Yeah. So check it out. All right. Do you guys have any? Did I did I do them all and steal them, or do you have any other? I did have a couple. Now, um, you mentioned Silence of the Lambs, but he was actually not in the movie. But uh, uh, his song was in the movie. Baby did bad bad thing was one of the songs on the Eyes Wide Shut. Yes, I remember that in that movie. Yep. Um, And also. The song Forever Blue, and actually I think most of the entire album, was inspired by a letter that he planned to write to his ex-girlfriend. Oh, really? He was planning planning on writing the letter, and he wrote it and wrote it and rewrote it like 10 times, and he just couldn't ever put it down, but couldn't ever work up the courage or whatever to send it. But then he realized as he was reading the letters that he had his next album right there. And so that's oh. why this is, it's all a breakup album and it's all about this one girl. He never did send a letter and he was quoted as saying, well, I hope she hears the album, I guess. Wow. So I, knew it, I mean, it was a breakup album and he'd been with her for three years, I think, but I did not know that other part about the letters. That's really cool. Yeah. Yes. Uh, I, I came across that his father's family is from North Dakota. Uh, he's from California, uh, but uh, but the father's family is from North Dakota, and I think the mom is from like California or something. Um, and that's really what I had for the fun facts. It was hard sure. to find a whole lot of um, uh, of fun facts on this one, like I normally am able to. Sure, but that's, those are those are pretty fun. Gifford, you oh, got anything to add? Well, I've just got a couple um, regarding the uh, eyes wide shut with baby uh, did a bad, bad thing. I read a thing that um, while Kidman was on set, she was listening to music like in between takes and whatnot. And Kubrick heard her listening to this song. And that is why it's in the movie. Oh, I didn't know that either. Uh, I don't know if it's true. I read it on the internets. Hey, uh, it sounds like it's true. Right. It's on the internet. We're going to go with it. Right. Uh, And then also uh, that video was directed by uh, Herb Ritz, who directed uh, Wicked Game as well. I don't know that either. Aren't 
well, we know about Wicked Game, but uh, I did not see the video, but I heard it's like a super sexual video, is it not? Yes. Maybe it's did, like maybe he's did watching a bad, bad this thing. sexy yes. woman, and he's like, they're separated, so it's not like Wicked Game where they're all over each other. Like, he's watching right. her through a TV, and he's just okay. pacing around because he can't he can't handle it, and, right. you know, yeah, so. And from what, I, from what I took from the video is that's his girlfriend. And he's yeah. watching her do this bad, bad thing. Right. Well, that makes so, sense. Yeah. And I do love that in his videos, he has models in them. <laughs> That's uh, always a great thing. Baby did a bad, bad thing. Yeah. I can't say the, the lovely woman's first name, but uh, Costa is her last name. Somebody's crying had Jennifer Rubin in it. Um, well, I don't, I got to watch that one. Too. Well, he, now he definitely brings in some beautiful. Helena Christensen is the famous wicked game one. And actually, you say that about that he cannot have her. That's actually not a theme just for that song. It's the theme for the whole album, right? right? Because yeah. it's like the different songs are like he's seeing her um, and he just cannot, you know, convince her to come back to him. And and that's what he's going. To, that's what is going through in his head is that he's probably fantasizing about her coming back and, you know, all of that kind of stuff. One question I that I was going to try to, or I did try to look up, I couldn't find anything. So speaking of this girlfriend and, you know, obviously he did want some kind of commitment probably there at some point. Cause I've seen him in concert and we'll get to that later, but he just, um, he comes across as like the all time bachelor. And I don't know if he ever has been close to marriage or anything or had girlfriends since I, I, you never really heard about him with anybody else or, I'm just wondering if he ever came close, if he has had other, if he's with anybody and it's just, you know, he's very private, but I'll tell you, I don't know. Thing. You go to one of his concerts, you know, it's, it's older people that like him, of course. And these middle-aged women, man, they love Chris Isaac. Yeah. Everybody well, I want to know what, what's his ex-girlfriend's deal. Why won't he's Chris Isaac? Why What's would she not? Why, why would she not go back to him? I mean, he writes an album for her that goes platinum, and she's like, "Oh, I don't want you back." Like, what's wrong with him? What? No, I think once the come on, oh, like time. you're gonna do better. Like you're gonna do better. Go for it. He probably that's what, that's what I'd be like back. if I was Isaac. Look at this. <laughs> <laughs> I think the album was the thing that probably helped him get over it. So even if she wanted him back after that, right. it'd be like too late. It's over. Right. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> um, all right, so anyway, we're kind of getting into it anyway. So the next uh, bit here is let's talk about the actual album and the songs. And yeah, let's I'm going to start with you guys because I've already said why I love it and everything. But like, what did well, you love or what did you notice about the songs? So I, I do have a, I want to hear Gifford especially because sure. I've always known this is a breakup album, but I've never really right. like, I've never really like heard like a, a coherent story in it. it oh, just I've got like, a story for you. It just seems like different songs that are all about that relationship. About breaking up. And even at listening story. to it again, I don't, I'm not really catching. So I'm excited to hear what you have to say. Oh, well, I've got it um, written down. I picked up on it too. I've got some things written down. Based on that. And I wouldn't have caught on to it if Gifford hadn't pointed it out. And I appreciate Gifford Wait a minute. for all Am that I he does. Am I the smart one in this episode? <laughs> so far. Um, <laughs> so far. What this album reminds me of is, I don't know if either of you guys listened to Olivia Rodrigo, current sensation. She's got all the top 10 hits in the country right now. 
Yeah, I'm missing that yeah. one. Oh yeah. wow. Okay. Well, see, I have a daughter, and she loves her. Oh, but I, okay. I hear her. She's she's huge. It's like it's like saying you don't know who Taylor Swift is. But her first Jesus. album. So much for us being for Gifford. You're no longer the smart one on the show, <laughs> apparently. Oh, I'm smart. I'm just not hip and with it and wild. Yeah. It. All right. I'm hip thanks to my kids. But she, uh, her first album was called Sour, and it's all just this angry breakup album. Like she is just ripping into this guy, and it's it angry. Sounds like Alanis. It's oh, it is. It's like Alanis, but it's awesome. Like it's legitimately awesome music. Um, it's it's like top forty music, but it's also like really good listenable music for people like us as well, not just like teeny poppers. Um, <laughs> But so that that's I, I've been listening to that a lot lately because we all love it in my family and everything. But so then I'm listening to this and like the, see the real connection there. It's like this is the adult kind of healthy version of a breakup album, whereas <laughs> hers is the angry teen bitter version of a breakup album. And so it's a connection I made. You know, it's funny. I've got a note written down that I found in a song that we'll get to that we're not to yet, but that kind of that that Chris Isaac has, as himself had said that compares to what you just said there. Oh, go well, on so though. That's coming later. A little bit yeah. later. Yeah. Okay. I'm excited. Okay. Anyway, how about, uh, we're going Gifford, song by song and I'll talk about it when we get to the song that he's Gifford, Why don't you go and, and tell us since you were the least well known of this and you had a big mm -hmm. reaction to it, you start us off. Well, do you want me to give you the storyline like one after another? I mean, I really do. Okay. <laughs> so I'll go right. Are you right just, is list. it going to be going song by song then? Yep. Okay. Well, we should song go by song by song, song and throw in our songs. comments about the song. Okay. So, Pete, sorry, first, sorry. What'd you say, Pete? I was just saying, yes. go song by song and we each throw in our comments yeah. about the song. Okay. Sorry. Okay. That's what I said. And we'll be good. Yeah. So, very first song, Baby Did a Bad, Bad Thing. So, you know what happened? His she cheated on him did a bad bad thing so that's really it that's the beginning of the uh the story and talk uh, about a fantastic opening song that song uh, just kicks it's awesome not that i have a lot to go off of because i'm not a huge huge isaac fan but that is my favorite song of his i listen to it over and over it's just that driving beat um the way oh, just, he, he goes between the deep voice and the falsetto yeah and oh it's just it's just a lovely song it, it yeah it just kicks you right in the head it's awesome yeah so um second song somebody's crying so yes. they did a bad bad thing now he's crying she's lying as it says in the song so <laughs> things are kind of he's he's suspicious at this point and uh, he's not feeling too good about it. Here is, that is where. A... Oh, go ahead. Go ahead. Here is where the comment I was just alluding to. So the song "Somebody's Crying." It's about somebody uh, secretly being hurt, but he cannot express it, um, and so he's keeping it only to himself. And he himself said that it's uh, it's similar to when you're a kid. You hear that you like that somebody likes you or whatever, and that's how feelings get across. Like, um, uh, you know, rumors get spread and everything. But as an adult, it's it's totally different, and it's it's more about withholding your feelings. And there's no good way or no way to know for sure if somebody else actually likes you and how somebody else is feeling about you. So at home, somebody is crying for you, and you don't even know it. 
that's uh, sure. that's kind of the explanation that that uh, I came across that he gave for this song. So kind of oh. like what you just said, it's a healthier adult version, but is it really healthier? Um, oh. It's different because Overall, you cannot express. He works, his, he works through things throughout the album. I mean, there's a lot. Yeah, of yeah, yeah. Right. But uh, but there's an argument to be made that that may not be even healthier. And and again, <laughs> at this, this point, song is just fantastic i mean it, it is. is like to me one of the most perfect pop songs it is just so listenable it mm -hmm. never sounds old it sounds great and yep. it's like his to me i mean he's got a lot of great songs obviously i love tons of his songs but this is like the signature uh, yeah if you want to learn yeah. about him start with that one right there to yeah. me and i i was going to say cornerstone of the album this song <laughs> well it was signature the first song thing, is the so same thing would, yes so it, I totally understand the story for these first two, and I knew what you were going to say there. The yeah. next one is where I kind of get lost. I'm not really sure. So okay, so I, the third I, I totally song, get it. <laughs> third song is "Graduation Day." So graduation. This song, by the way, was in the movie "Beautiful Girls." And was yes, on that which song. you got, which you guys are much more familiar ah, which takes place in Minnesota. Yes, <laughs> uh, which I'm not as familiar with, but yes, I did write down that it was in "Beautiful Girls." So this is "Graduation Day." graduation is the end of something this is the end of the relationship now it's over he understands oh. and they have to break up they're graduating to ending the relationship so, so that's what done. i kind of was figuring today as i was listening yep. to it but i didn't know if i was right so i don't trust myself well but, and there's a lyric exactly i had a I different think. take on it i had a different take on it there's a lyric in there that said that says uh, had to end that way. So this is the end. The relationship's done at this point between the two of them. Uh, Pete, I would love to hear your... I your thought opinion. it was that he was like, they were high school sweethearts and they were looking... I thought he was looking back on memories and one of those big memories was graduation day. And, uh, um, you know, the, just looking back on all the memories that they had together and that was the key, you know, one of the key moments of their lives. After listening to the lyrics, I think Gifford is definitely right. Wait and, a second. Are you saying looking guys? at his real life, if this was a girlfriend of three years and he's like in his 30s, he wouldn't have been with her in high school. So I don't I think you're totally wrong, Pete. Okay. Thank you. Are you are you telling <laughs> me that you for me, a guy who only listened to this song once could be wrong with his opinion? Wait, that that doesn't seem right. I can go right back. And I'll take a closer look at the lyrics. And I'm <laughs> no, sure but as I listen to it right. today, that's exactly that's what, what I, I thought, thought it was. Gifford said, but I just, you know, I oh. don't know. So, okay, you're right. Four. I think you're right. Song number four, Go Walking Down There. Another Now he's, now, oh God, it's such a good song, man. Yeah. I, it, Picks up a little bit. So he's, he's, he's walking around seeing other couples. So at this point, he's, he's really missing her, and he's wishing he had somebody else like everybody else has. So, yeah. So that's basically him wishing that now he – not necessarily that he wants her back. He just wants to be happy like other couples. So he wants somebody, not necessarily her at this point. And Outside of the big ones that we've already mentioned, this is definitely one of my favorite songs on this album. Well, it's a little more, you know, it's a little. Quicker. Oh, it's yeah, it's a yeah. banger, man. It's... Yeah. Well, for some reason, I, I, you're, you're right, and I think the only thing that I would add to that is that I got the impression that he was going specifically to places where they had memories together. See now, Pete, oh, that, I'll that agree with you on that one for sure. Yeah. Good, thank God, <laughs> salvation. Um, but then, but then at the end, as well. 
but then, uh, but then at the end, it's like where he picks it up and he goes, "Look at all you happy." I'm not yeah. going to sing yep. it, but 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 there's anger there. It's like that's yes. it's it's like you know, Dave Grohl can can express anger much better than Chris Isaac can, but that's his expression of anger. Uh. In that part of the that. song, just because you well, scream I'm... louder doesn't make you express it any no, better. I, I okay, differently and and more more aggressively. Let me put it that way. I would it's agree. Pretty with aggressive that... too, but anyway, she yeah. Wants... But for I yeah. know what you're yeah. saying. Yeah, yeah. He, he's jealous of the people while at the same time being pissed that they they have what he wants. Yeah. So there's that anger in there. Yes. I totally, totally of Olivia that. Rodrigo, there's a song called Jealousy, Jealousy, and it's like the best song on her album. And it's all about the looking at other girls, even people you don't even know, and just being so obsessed with them. And that's what this song is kind of like then. Hey, Pete, do we have 2021 yearbook open as well? <laughs> hey, I'm just trying to... Let me go things. find it. I got to go to my yearbook library. <laughs> trying to bring in a new demographic here. Get, get so, youngsters. So now we get on to song five. Don't they're leave me. And they're hopping. <clears throat> oh, never mind. Go. <laughs> and they're bipping and they're bopping. <laughs> so the fifth song, "Don't Leave Me on My Own." <clears throat> this now is where he is really missing her. So now, now it's not a nice little short song. Very, yep. very quick and breezy. But it's yeah. it's not it's not as as if he wants just any woman. Now he wants her back and to me this is the equivalent of the late night you up text because he really <laughs> wants to get back with this with his ex at this point yeah my notes here i had the loneliness is really setting in at this point <laughs> and he's just desperate to hear something back he's waiting by the waiting for the phone to ring which that's i don't think that's actually a lyric but he's waiting for her to write a letter to him which i think is uh, and then it just never does. And we've all been there, right? Like where, where you're just watching the phone, hoping for it to ring, and then it just doesn't. Um, and and he's like begging her to come back. Yep. <clears throat> yep. I don't know. Um, I've been there. Have you been there? I've have have you have you guys been there? I guess me uh, neither. Of anyway, course. go on. Pete, I've been there. <laughs> I'm usually the one leaving. Um, no. <laughs> So uh, the sixth song, one thing I found interesting with uh, Things Go Wrong, and I don't know if it was in all the other songs, but this one to me was interesting because the guitar notes alternated in stereo between right and left at the beginning of the song. Oh. So I, was, I had my headphones in, and you could you would just go oh, back. Oh, you're talking in headphones. I wasn't listening yeah. it on my headphones on this one, but uh, and so I guess I didn't notice that, but that's a... A good observation. This is another song I love, and I love how it yeah. builds. And he he it doesn't really get angry, but he just it just builds. He gets that strong yeah. voice at the end and everything. And I love the song. So yeah. it's sad, song, but then it like just keeps picking and building. And I love those kind of songs. In so Isaac's song, view, love okay. is stronger. Their, their love is supposed to be stronger than any one mistake or incident. That's what I had written down on this one. Yep. And what I have written down is he's reassessing if what the bad, bad thing that she did is really that bad. And he's trying right. to rationalize what she did and try to minimize it. And yeah, you know what? It probably wasn't that bad. So you know what? I, 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 I would like to have her back. 
Like so maybe that, I made some mistakes too. Yeah. Yeah. So that's what I had written down for six. He's he's going back to the first song going, eh, no, it wasn't that bad. So um for the seventh song, Forever Blue, the, the uh title track. The album. Yep, the title track. Um now he's depressed. He's super depressed. Yes. The line in there is no reason left for living. And this is right in the middle of the album. Yep. And it's very slow, but I love it. It's just such a pretty song. It's just one of those, It, even though it's really sad, it feels like you're sitting on a beach and it's just so like sentimental and and relaxing at the same time. And I, it. some people, I'm sure our friend Dave would say this is like one of those songs that would put him to sleep. I love it. I think it's a great mm-hmm. song. Um, I I was thinking that this is like he's going through the five stages of grief or whatever. I don't yep. know if it's five or six. I don't know. I don't grieve. But um, <laughs> uh, <laughs> push it all down deep. Pete. Push but now, it all down. <laughs> okay. But now he's at the acceptance phase. He's accepting. But it, but what he's accepting is that that he'll never be happy again. It's just like this is it. He's this is how he's going to feel forever. He's never going to be happy again. Sure. And uh, uh, which is an odd thing to be accepting of, but that's just the way that his life is going to be. He's forever blue. So, and I have his acceptance a little later on in the in the album. Um, it's a different kind. I, th- I think I know where you're going to go with that, but it's like yep. a different kind of acceptance. And maybe it's sure. um, uh, I don't know. I don't know what the five stages are. But uh, maybe it's a different phase. Grief. Basically, in this one, he's super depressed, and she she ain't coming back at this point. So now we move on to the eighth song, There She Goes. And I took this as now she's got a new man, and he is just completely devastated. She's moved on, and he can't. But this is just another really light, breezy song, too, so it doesn't fit what you just said as far as, like, the feel of it. No, but if you listen, uh, the the I'm not saying it's not about that. I'm just saying the music part of it doesn't fit that. If you're saying, you know, it, like you know, it's it's a it's a kind of a happy sounding song. It is, but um, but it's just like it's almost like sarcastically happy though, in the sense that he's like, well, there she goes, that kind of thing. You know how you'd say that, but uh, this actually I had starred as one of my uh, two favorite songs on this album. Wow. Um, um, so okay. I just, okay. I, I love the song. I loved how it sounds. Um, yeah, I don't know. I have great. this middle part of the album starting. Well, I mean the whole thing, but kind of starting with things to go wrong forever blue this song. And then the next one, these just all are like the sing along songs to me. Like I just, uh, you just put them on. It's kind of like that part of Tom Petty that I love in that album where I can just yep. sing along and they're all different. Like one's really slow and sad and some are kind of happy and some are, but they all are songs I want to sing along to. Yeah. And it's got, I just love this, this middle part of the record. It's got a great feel to it. Yeah. So the ninth song, this is where he has a change of heart for a night. This is um, going nowhere. And this is about, he's looking for a rebound chick. This is going out to the bar at night, getting drunk and looking for a, a palate cleanser, if you will. But he, uh, he's, he's still And this has depressed. my favorite line he, on the album. Well, and he, he has super low self-esteem still, 
um, because nowhere is where she's going and he's she he's the nowhere that she's going to this new chick that he's checking out the rebound girl this he's is like nowhere. sorry oh, oh i thought it, i i had to take that it was that she's going nowhere he can see that she's not happy um uh, and so he's like you know kind of sticking it to her a little bit because you know she's not going anywhere sure so i don't know like go walking down there. This is one of my other favorite songs on the album, yep. and this I love the line. Me too. You're the kind. That's of the other one I had better. starred when I said two God favorite it, songs it, on the album. Sorry. <laughs> I love I the line. Why. You're the kind of a girl that looks better naked. Yeah, that's a great line, mm-hmm. and it, it, based on what you described, it fits the song great as far as just the whole situation of everybody's mm-hmm. not in a good place, and so. And to me, he's saying that to a new girl. At the bar, like he just walked right. into a that, bar. It's a little more upbeat. It's like you know, a night out on the town, and she's the kind of girl who looks better naked. You know, and that's his pickup line. But she's going nowhere, and he's that just, song is awesome. Pretty, and the whole it's pretty smooth. Yeah, so much but of he, the chorus is just him going, "Hey, hey, hey," and all. I mean, just not even. It's but it's again, you just sing along. It's just fantastic. Right. Uh, so number ten changed your mind. Now he's sobered up from his night out and he's back to being depressed about the first woman. Um, she, she said she wouldn't leave, but she did. That, that was one of the parts of the song in there. So he's now he's back to just being depressed about the first girl again. And this is a really slow, sleepy song, but I really like it. And, I, and it all builds to the very end. Like the last mm-hmm. 30 seconds, he's just doing the whole... You know the kind of falsetto part, and it just finishes the song off and just nails it. And it was a really slow song, but it, it all pays off for that just that ending because it really has mm-hmm. a good strong finish. Yep. Um. So number eleven, shadows in a mirror. This is where I think he finds acceptance. He's still depressed, but he's trying to move on. And at this point, he knows it's over. So the shadows in the mirror. He's seen his life with this woman but it's it as he's looking at it it's fading into a shadow it's not as clear in his mind anymore and he's starting to move forward yet he's still not this songs yeah this is probably the point of the album that somebody like again dave i'm sure would say that it's really dragging here because it's really it is slow there's a couple slow ones Mm -hmm. in a row but individually i love yeah dave I, I still like every one of them, and so, and, mm-hmm. you know, it's I'm okay with it, of course. Right. And then, of course, we come to the final song on the album, which is I Believe, and it's... No, it's not. There's one more episode. Oh, no, yeah, you forgot about one. Oh, which one did I forget? The End, the of, end everything. of Everything. Oh, I did. Holy cow. How did I forget that? Although, All Pete right. just said the other day that he thought I Believe seemed like the right ending song so yes we're talking about this in my opinion this would have been the perfect song to finish with and because it is accepting and it's happy and it's it's very happy like he's he's totally over it and now he's moving on and sun is shining yep oh man i can see it shining uh i believe i'll be happier Mm-hmm. But then there is a one more after that, and it's a nice closing oh. song. But yeah, I, I agree that you know that that happy finish seems like it would make sense. Right. Well, then please fill me in because obviously I missed a song. 
Right. You're the one with the notes on each song. I don't I don't have specific notes about the lyrics, so but it's called the end of everything. So I guess it's all over. He's moving on, she's moving on, and it's done. So Okay. You know, he's 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 it's acceptance. He's done. Right. It's over. Not gonna sit and cry about it and write letters anymore. It's over. All of it. Totally beyond it. There. But is he happy about it? I I got the impression that with this song that he's over it. But still not completely. Well, are you ever happy. truly happy about? I mean, I don't know. I don't experience happiness, but uh, <laughs> no grief, or grieving. No By the way, Pete is a robot <laughs> who's perpetually on vacation. <laughs> All right. Um. So yeah, we kind of talked about our favorites as we went to any any other comments about any songs that you liked or that stood out. Uh, to me, it would be "Baby Did a Bad Bad Thing" was was the best one. Uh, somebody's crying. I real and then I really enjoyed um, uh, "Going Nowhere." I, I yeah. thought that was that was a great song in there as well. The two that I had starred as my two favorites were "There She Goes," which I've mentioned, and "Go Walking Down There." Mm -hmm. Those are my two favorites. But it's all. I mean. Somebody might say that doesn't like Chris Isaac might say that all the songs kind of sound the same, but I think oh, I that, see if, that I, I, you know, I think that that's what I, I don't kind of like it, but I just think that you have your happy songs and you have your, you have your slow songs and you have your fast yeah. songs. Yeah. Yeah. But <clears throat> I don't have, I'm not criticizing him. I, I uh, think it's a great album all around and I loved it. Fits together really well. Yes. All right. So the next thing that I wanted to bring up here. So obviously I, I loved him as an artist. I loved all his albums. But then the other thing that really made him bring to a new level is we saw him in concert. And so I've seen him in concert three times. The first time I saw him, and I'll remember this night forever because this is like a historic Minnesota night. So it's one of the first times I ever voted and it's the night Jesse Ventura won the governor of Minnesota. Really? And I remember my brother and me went to the Chris Isaac concert. It was at the State Theater or the Orpheum, one of the two. I think it was at the State Theater. Um, and before the concert, I voted and I voted and I actually voted for Jesse. I mean, I'm like, I wasn't really going to, but I got to the voting booth. I'm like, just go for it, whatever. <laughs> Turns out that's not always a good idea. No. But it was still a real. And then we got out of the concert. You know, and so it's like 11 o'clock now and, and the results are coming in and like, holy cow, Jesse's going to actually win this thing. And so it was this night of like these two events. But forget about the politic part. In concert, <laughs> Chris Isaac is a absolute showman. He is awesome. He wears these bright big suits. Um, he's got this great band. He, Glittery uh, rhinestone. He he has obviously great songs to play, but he's so entertaining. And that's why you got all these TV shows. I mean, he is so entertaining. He'll talk to you. He you laugh. It's it's hilarious. Like he tells great jokes. And it's just like a two-hour, you know, entertainment show with great music. And the guy just knows how to do it as bad, as good as almost anybody I've ever seen. I actually so, think he doesn't actually take himself too seriously. Well, I, I, to that, I agree to that I point. That's he what makes himself self-deprecating too. And he knows, I mean, I think he gets the bit and he, uh, he's not 
wearing those glittery clothes and everything just to you know to be a no, showman necessarily it's a he's it's a bit exactly so anyway it's like when i mike remember mills wore those for rem mike mills is not that kind of guy but that was that was a bit for that album that was like what he's gonna do now and right and he wore, right. And he wore the most works. ridiculous crazy studded suits you could find yeah. yeah. So I saw him that time with my brother, and then I met my wife, and she loved Chris Isaac after we listened to him, and we saw him two more times. One time, again, downtown, and then one time at the Minnesota Zoo, which is a really awesome venue for a concert. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, and it's just, it's always a great show, and he's somebody I would totally go see again, and um, it's not just the music, it's there's so much more going on, and he's he's fantastic. So I asked you guys to create a list of your favorite, and I kind of, I don't know what you came up with, but my list is either concerts that you've been to, live performers that you love to see, or even like venues that really stand out. And so I made a a top five of just kind of revolving around live shows. Before you get into that, I do want to mention that I have seen Chris Isaac in concert when uh, the former employer that I used to work at Annually, they would have a charity golf classic and um, uh, you could go like if you were like really high up and had lots of money, you'd golf in this golf tournament. Uh, but for the rest of us that worked there, you would get invited to this uh, this like banquet and everything. And then they would always have like a really, really super big name like they've had Beyonce. I've seen Elton John uh, and actually Chris Isaac, getting back to your earlier point as far as the names they've gotten for headliners is not the biggest name or was not the, you know, Obviously almost not. in a lower, lower tier, but that was probably the best show. Uh, they, they also got, I actually thought the ones I enjoyed the most being at were Chris Isaac and John Fogarty was, which was also like, a, you know, at this point, I mean, um, but they, <clears throat> but they would always get like big, big names, but those were, those were the two that stand out as being the most fun. So, uh, but uh, but it was exactly what you said. He had the glittery clothes. It was, it was a great, entertaining show. A lot of fun. Well, you're going, Pete. Why don't you give us your list that you created? The uh, Well, the ones that stand out, I didn't have a top five list per se or anything, but I do remember, and Brad, you were there, the REM concert that we went to at uh, at the St. Paul Saints Stadium, Midway yeah. Field. Midway We've actually Stadium. talked about this before. Um, On the show the we did? Yep, yeah, we did. Okay, but yeah, so that's a great one, and it turned into a just a, a monsoon, and then they were playing "It's the End of the World as We Know It" as we're all trying to get out of the out of it. I, there's one entrance that was about three feet wide that everybody's trying to funnel through, so it took forever. But <clears throat> that's the one that stood out at me, and I think we've also talked about the concert that we went to, uh, the Jayhawks and Johnny Cash at the State yep, Theater in Minneapolis. That. Uh, because, but the thing about it, ones. and it's an intimate uh, setting. It's uh, those uh, <clears throat> those kinds of concerts are a lot more fun because it's so it, rather than like a big arena. We've seen the Foo Fighters many times uh, in big arenas. Um, some of the other and First Ave is the uh, is the other one that's also a small, intimate setting. That's uh, that's a fun place to go. Well, that's why Chris Isaac is great for that because he, you know, he plays at the Orpheum, the State. I mean, they're bigger places, but they're not, you know, arenas. And so there's a lot right. of people there. It's not like First Ave. It's much bigger than that. So you're yeah. gonna have a big crowd, but it's still that intimate. You can see him. He's not that far away. 
and you can interact better. You go to the arenas. I mean, they're fun shows and everything, but you're going to see the the jumbotrons basically because sometimes you cannot, <clears throat> you you don't really get a good view of what's going on, and those are the right. better concerts, in my opinion. Is that your? Well, let's take the acoustics would be better. Yeah, I don't have a whole lot more more to oh. add. I'll turn it over to Gifford. Okay, sure. Well, I haven't gone to a ton of concerts, uh, but my, that's why I may just try to get this into more things in case you sure. have other. My favorite concert that I ever went to was my all-time favorite artist, Garth Brooks. I saw him at Target Center. must have been like 97 or 8. Oh, back then. We there. saw him when he came back like uh, seven years ago or so. <laughs> we saw him there. Okay. Yeah, it was, it was less than that, wasn't it? But yeah, uh, It was about that. I was, I was still... We, we went to that, too, when he did like nine nights in a row. Yeah, you went to the night before I went. Okay. Is that right? Because I remember you telling me about it. Okay. I just Go remember we, we had excellent seats. We were just off to the right side of the stage, um, up in the stands a little bit. So we were just above stage height and maybe like 15 rows off the front of the stage. So it was excellent seats. It was just a phenomenal concert. And I love just about everything he does, except uh, when he did that weird thing with that trying to be that other guy chris gaines um oh. i went to <laughs> i went to I, thought, a, I had forgotten about that sorry right. oh my god that ridiculous thing <laughs> i went to a country music festival in 97 with some friends uh, country thunder i think it was in eau claire wisconsin uh that was around 97 um faith hill and tim mcgraw were just together at that point they were the headliners i believe on saturday night um the big bummer about that is we had to leave and get back for work monday morning so we missed john denver on sunday that would have been awesome to see and he died um just a couple months after that um but what i remember from that concert uh like sawyer brown was there i always liked sawyer brown's music but neil mccoy absolutely blew me away i thought he was one of the most entertaining it's kind of like what Pete said. It wasn't always the biggest name that really got you up and moving. I mean, he was just energy from the second he hit the stage until the time he left. It was just awesome. Um, and, of course, I would be remiss if I did not bring up uh, Johnny Holmes at the showboat in Lake Benton. I mean, <laughs> as far as bands and concerts and uh, and the Linwood, uh, you know, and for the venues, you know, we gotta we gotta go back to our roots and uh, high school days, going to those concerts as well. All right, so that's about what I got there. All right, so I just kind of these aren't like my. I did a kind of a mixture of different things. So my my first two, like the two best performers that I think I've ever seen, that I've seen multiple times, that I'd go anytime basically, are the Foo Fighters and Chris Isaac. Um, so that was my beginning of my list. Then I wrote down Red Rocks because I've been there twice. And as a venue, that's just, you know, it's just spectacular. And I would love to go back there. Speaking of that, I mean, Chris Isaac would be awesome at Red Rocks. That would be like a dream scenario. Oh, that would be the Pete perfect set that up. venue for him. All right. Um, my number four, I was trying to think of like my favorite concerts of all time. And there's lots of different ones, but one that really stood out. So I was too young back when the Joshua Tree came out. 
I didn't see U2 for a long time. I did finally see them in 2011, I think. And that was a great show. But they did a 30-year anniversary of the Joshua Tree in 2017. And that was like, I was so excited. It was, couldn't believe I was going to get to go see that concert 30 years later that I couldn't go to. Because it's my favorite album of all time. U2 is awesome. Um and not just that they played that album beginning to end, but before the album, they played like their biggest hits from when they were before that. Oh, like man. they played Sunday Bloody Sunday and mm-hmm. Bad and those kind of songs. And then they played all the Joshua Tree and the whole stage was just this awesome, cool thing. And then when they got done with that, they played some of their newer hits like Vertigo and Elevation and like Mysterious Ways. Um, so it was like you were getting the whole span of, mm-hmm. of their greatness with the centerpiece being that album and some of those songs in the Joshua tree, they like hardly ever played live. And so they're playing them all live now, right in a row. That was just fantastic. I still can picture so much of that. And then you brought up arenas and I did. So I was trying to do a top five. I wrote down stadium shows. I was trying to think of like, what's a good stadium show that I've seen like really huge. And so I wrote down two. Um, I, my whole family went to see Coldplay at U.S. Bank Stadium um, that same year, 2017. And they're, well, they're another band that puts on just a fantastic live show. Whether you like them or hate them, they are a great live band, and they put on a mm-hmm. fantastic show. And it was a special one because all four of us went, both kids, me and my wife, and she loved it. And then the other one I put, um, so you guys know I'm a big Taylor Swift fan. Oh, yeah. but, um, oh my God, yeah. Get pain, buddy. Way back uh, when we first started to get into her, my wife was like, I like Taylor Swift. I want to go see her in concert. And we had missed a concert she did here. Um, and so I looked up concerts and she was playing in Arrowhead Stadium in Kansas City. And I really wasn't much of a fan yet or anything, but she just had an album that came out. And I'm like, hey, Kim, let's go to Kansas City. And so we took a weekend and we went and we saw her and it was a great concert. And I've I mean, she's put out just great stuff ever since. So that was a fun one because it was just me and her and it was out of town and it was this big, you know, I've, I've I've always loved Arrowhead Stadium. Like I'd love to see a Chiefs game and I probably never will, but I did get to go to the stadium to see this concert. So that was my, uh, those are the things that jumped out at me when I made that list. I did forget to mention one. I did see Metallica at U.S. Bank Stadium. It was the first ever event at U.S. Bank. And, uh, of course, Brad, you weren't there. Gifford, you weren't there. But Dave, our co-host, was there. And he absolutely he loved the concert, absolutely hated the ending because they, the, they famously dropped a whole bunch of black balloons at the end of the show when they were doing Enter Sandman. And Dave thought it was the dumbest thing that he had ever seen in his entire life. Metallica and, and balloons he was, do not mix. No. Th- those sellouts... And he went off the rest of the night about those balloons. But uh, anyway, no, Dave go on. doesn't do that. <laughs> He's pretty efficient. Um, uh, are you done? No, I'm done. Okay. Yeah, yes, I am done. And then to wrap this up, because I kind of had two ideas I asked you guys to make. <laughs> so Chris Isaac, I've described, he's he's not a giant star. He's not Taylor Swift. He's not Beyonce. He's not... The Beatles, whatever, you know, those are big, big stars. But he's a very well-known artist who a lot of people love. And what I love about concerts with 
with artists like that is you, you, you're a fan and you go to that, you're so excited, but then you realize there's like a couple thousand other people here that love him just as much as I do. And like, you don't know any of them. You didn't even really know they existed, but they're out there amongst you everywhere. And, and the concert, what's the concert is the thing that brings them together. And so um, I asked you to make a list of who are some of your favorite artists who you would consider to be not, you know, major stars that everybody's heard of, but mm -hmm. maybe never got to that level, but they put yeah. out like a consistent amount of good work and you love it and you would like listen to it all the time. Sure. There's a, there's a couple that stand to mind, uh, that come to mind for me. Uh, one, we've talked about briefly on the show before, and they are actually a follower of ours on pop, uh, on pop culture yearbook and that's oh, yeah. a country music band called the mavericks yeah to me they were they should have been as good as any other band you know as popular as any other band their music is you know awesome uh i i just don't get why they didn't make it as big as something like rascal flats or you know, they're actually similar to chris isaac and like their sound and their look and everything i did have that i i didn't mention it but i did have that exact same thing that that note written down on things go wrong where he does chris isaac sounds a lot like raul malo who's the lead singer of the mavericks so um so other bands i had uh semi-sonic the jayhawks uh jet and the fratellis oh yeah the fratellis my, great choice my other favorite um underappreciated who is that's a that's one concert that we went to at first Ave. Well, and actually, there were two great bands that are underappreciated. Ah, Blood Red Shoes. Yes, yeah, I'm going to get to them. Who, who, who also is is commented and liked us back a couple of times on on Twitter, but not followers like like the Mavericks and Raul Malo are both followers of us on on Twitter. So we appreciate that. As a listener, if they do, you should too. So we'll I'm not closing out the show yet, but I want to turn it out over to Gifford. All right. Well, I have on my list um, Chris Ledoux. Um, oh, he yes. Grew up um, as a, um, a a Bronco rider in the rodeo, and to pay for his way around the rodeo, he wrote his own music, and then would sell um, CD or tapes, I suppose, at that time um, at the rodeos in order to pay for his way around. Um, he has written, he wrote 22 albums in the 80s, wrote and performed them, self-promoted them. Um, he has 30 in total. Um, wow. I have on here also. Yeah. Chris so, Ledoux, they get, uh, Garth Brooks gave him a shout out in yep. um, uh, Much Too Young to Feel This Damn Old yep. is the name of the song where Garth Brooks, yep. uh, part of the lyric is worn out tapes of Chris Ledoux. Yes, is, uh, and he exploded things. after that. His popularity did explode after that. And um, Garth Brooks, I believe, also did a uh, a tribute to him after his. He death. died. Yeah. yeah, yeah, he died. Um, another <laughs> one. It doesn't really make a whole lot of sense because obviously everybody knows them, and their library is extensive and wonderful. But CCR never had a number one hit. And it's just insane. They had really like five or six number twos, never had a number one hit. I think that's criminal. 
so underappreciated, maybe in their time for not getting quite enough airplay to push them over the num- to the number one spot. Funny you bring them up when Pete mentioned John Fogarty earlier. Yeah, right. yeah, yeah. Right. Um, oh, another of, one I have, um, and again, everybody knows who he is, but he's not on the level of, say, George Strait or Garth Brooks, and that's Dwight Yoakam. Oh, um, oh nailed it. Great choice. <laughs> 20 albums. He is and my favorite artist of all time. Yeah. Well, and see, the, the thing one, is, he's kind of an outsider of Nashville. He, he's not, he and that's what set, that's what makes him great, I think, but why he never probably achieved the fame that he would have if he would have been in the system. When he started he Chris in Isaac Nashville. Of country music. Yeah. Well, yeah. actually, they are very similar, and they're both actors. Yes. Right. Yeah. Yes. They, they, they are very much alike. Yes. They've got bit roles. Yeah. Well, and when he started in Nashville, his honky tonk music wasn't what Nashville was looking for at the time. So he actually left and went to LA and he would yep. tour with t- punk bands. Like he was just. I don't get out. that. He's got the perfect honky tonk voice. But that's not what they were looking for at that's the time in Nashville. Is. That's started. what sucks yeah. about country music. It's all right. manufactured, it's what you hate, Pete. Right, but right. Here's a guy with five number one albums, twelve gold, and nine platinum. He he is just his music is just absolutely wonderful. When we do our favorite music of the year later this month, uh, he his album from this year is on my list. Uh, my it, favorite, my favorite yeah. Dwight Yoakam album came out in '95. And then my last one on here is uh, from our youth. Glass knife never got <laughs> the uh, the uh, do that it had coming. So very good. And church pencil. Now you're going to have thousands of listeners going to be Googling for Glass Knife and trying to download their music and not being able to find them. <laughs> Good luck with that one. <laughs> All right. I'll, uh, I'll do mine quick here, and then you can wrap it up, Pete. So my number one is Chris Isaac. We just spent the whole thing talking about him. And he's put out, what has he got, like at least 10 full-length albums, maybe more. I, I didn't sit and count them. And, and one after the other. They're, and they go all the way back to like 1985 was his debut. I mean, they're just, they're extensive and they're great. How old is he now, do you think? I looked it up. 65. Uh, I forget. I think, yeah, he's in his 60s he's now. 65, okay. Uh, I think so. Uh, my number two, we talked about on this podcast, so it was the head and the heart was an easy one to put in. I, I talked about this very thing, about how they they should be huge. And they are getting fairly popular, but they're never going to be, you know, like a top 40, like major just even though they're great you mentioned two i put for number three i put two local ones together and you mentioned them pete the jayhawks and semi-sonic uh, mm-hmm. both amazing not not much alike but amazing bands and um people in minnesota love them but they should have been loved everywhere uh number four i have the vaccines uh who i believe are huge in england but they have never become huge here and they they are some of the best rock like power pop uh, music there is out there. Um, I loved everything they've ever done. At number five, I had Pete Yorn. He put out one of the greatest debut albums I've ever heard, and he's put out many since. And he was kind of big in the early 2000s, but never took off. And But he's still out there. I actually saw him in concert two years ago. It was fantastic. And then you mentioned uh, the Fratellis, Pete. And when we went to see the Fratellis, this band, the Blood Red Shoes, opened for him, and I'd never heard of them. And they are two person, a man and a woman. They blew the roof off of First Ave. They were the stars mm-hmm. that night. And I love them. And I wish they were huge. And then I had one other one. Group Love is another great band that I love. Who's put out a whole bunch of 
good albums and they're they're fairly good in the alternative world but again they're the kind of music that i would think would play on all kinds of radio stations and but they've never become huge so and we did go see the blood red shoes again we did uh, we made sure to go see them at at some bar like in saint paul right yeah it was the uh, turf club yes yes and when they come back someday we will after the pandemic everything once these things start to happen again will absolutely go again so i i really enjoyed that i'm so glad you guys loved that album it made me feel uh validated that i chose it and um (laughs) that was really fun i hope the only better the only better listen to that than that album sorry i hope people that are listening i hope a couple go out and listen to it and and find it as enjoyable as we did the only better listen than that album is this podcast. Let me put it that way. <laughs> all right. That's all I got. On that note, we will close it out. Be sure, as we mentioned at the top of the show, if you are interested in starting your own podcast, you can earn $20 by, by clicking on the link that's in our show page in all of our episode descriptions. If you scroll down a little bit, click on the link. Buzzsprout will help you get started. We would greatly appreciate that. And uh, be uh, be sure to give us a follow on Twitter, Facebook, like us on Facebook, comment on Facebook. We've been responding to some comments today on Facebook. Um, good little conversation about a comparison between Bill Murray and Chevy Chase uh, that may we may have to dive into in a future episode. But uh, also leave us a review on uh, Apple Podcasts. Any of those things would be greatly appreciated. And I think that'll do it. We'll close out the show with a little preacher row. Thanks for what listening. Is our next episode, Pete. Oh, the next episode we're sticking in 1995. We're going to talk about a hilarious movie called Tommy Boy with David Spade and Chris Farley. There you go. Looking forward awesome. to it. And it's your choice. It is my choice. You'll get to hear all about my memories of '95. <laughs> <laughs> Thanks, everybody. Bye. See you guys. Bye. Yeah.